afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A lot of interesting things happening in the marketplace. And before we even started the Fontenelle Final Bell, as I was talking with our guests today, it, it makes me want to really dive in deeper to what's going on with the dollar, the real, as we look at money being made. How is this? Is ag a safe haven right now when it comes to investments? We're going to find out all the details today as Sean Hackett joins us with Hackett Financial Advisors. And let's start there. The dollar versus the real. Last time you and I talked, we had this conversation about how we needed to watch these two and see how they interact. Where are we at now? Correct. And we actually highlighted this last week in our report, um, Susan, and, and we talked about how the real likes to seasonally bottom as we approach the month of December. I'm not sure why. It just does. And we said, and then we've looked at the commitment of traders that we always do, as you know, our capital flows. And we had the largest long position of commercials in the Brazilian Reales percentage of open interest in history leading into this period. And then we had our favorite technical pattern, Susan, which was a, we call a breakdown failure reversal up technical buy signal. So we marginally broke the five-year low on the Real and then immediately turned back up and then took out resistance at 24. Anytime we've seen that pattern in any market that we look at, it has been an extremely reliable pattern for either a top or a bottom, depending on which way the pattern went. In this case, we see we've made a major low in the Brazilian Real and that we're, you know, our, our sights are that we could go from the 24 and change area to the 27 area or something like a 10 or 15% move from the lows. And you know, anyone knows who looks at grain markets or ag markets, how prolific Brazil is in producing and exporting this stuff that when the real rallies, it's always a good bullish tailwind for our markets. So. So as you look at that, and we know the feds and, and the talk about money being, I hate to say money being printed because it just sounds wrong, but all of that that's going on right now, how does all of that relate back to agriculture and our producers who are, are watching the change in the dollar? Well, I think, I think everyone is feeling, the, are feeling what I would call a loss of confidence. What I mean by that is they're looking at the, the ridiculous political scene in, in our country and what's going to probably get far, far worse as we approach the elections. Who knows what's going to happen? You can't have anything but a loss of confidence in our government. And then you look at the Federal Reserve, who was quantitative tightening just six months ago, and then six, within six months has gone from quantitative tightening to, to quantitative easing to the tune of 60 to $90 billion a month and have already reduced rates multiple times. That is not to give confidence that the Federal Reserve has any idea what they're doing. How could you be tightening and then six months later easing it just says to me that there's something not going right um, and so when I see that there's a loss of confidence that means that the US dollar reserve currency which is tends to be or has been the safe haven for money to park when they're worried about things is becoming less so and so when it becomes less so people have to find well, if I'm not going to be parking it in US in the US dollar where, where else could I put this what else could I, where could I be rewarded if the U.S. dollar is, in fact, turning down as we believe that it is? Well, maybe we can be looking at allocating some money to the agricultural commodity space. We're at record low valuations of ag markets to stocks, ag markets to real estate, ag markets to the bond market, just about any asset you want to look at. This is about the cheapest you've ever been able to buy into the ag space as an asset class. And so it looks to me that we're starting to get some capital flows 
making some changes to their portfolio and, and putting some allocations, albeit small right now, but enough to start making our market showing some upside volatility. I mean, we've seen some pretty wild moves in wheat late recently. We've seen some wild moves in things like coffee. Um, you know, things that we, we, we haven't seen these kind of moves in these markets, Susan, for a very long time. And it's a, it's a symptom of a shift in psychology from a deflationary one to an inflationary one. And, and it's something we've talked about for a while that we thought might start to happen. And if, if in fact it has, it's really, really good news for U.S. ag producers because it means that we're going to be able to see uh, not only higher prices, but also better demand for our product. And that's something that we've been struggling with for years to get off the ground. So is agriculture, once again, kind of that safe haven, the the place that people look at to, to do their investing? I believe it. I believe at this point the market is starting to view agriculture as a safe haven. It's never been cyclically uh, sensitive, meaning it's not an economically sensitive asset class. You know, if you're if you lose your job, you probably aren't going to be going on vacation. You're probably not going to be buying a flat screen TV. But I am sure you'll find a way to feed your family. So it's a it's a reliable, non cyclical asset that's cheap. And in, in, with all the uncertainty about what monetar- monetary policy is all about, what the you know what politics is all about. I think it's a place that people feel that it's not only a safe place to be, but it's a place that they sh- could easily be well rewarded given how cheap it is right now. So, so I do feel that agriculture as a particular part of the commodity class is being viewed right now as a safe haven, and that is very good news if that continues forward into 2020 and 21 and 22 when uh, we get some more compelling, let's say, some more fundamental compelling reasons to even drive this trend even faster like we did in 06, 07, 08 or in 2010, 11, 12 when we had you know, weather and the currency all working in our favor at the same time. Is there upside to this volatility for the ag market as we continue to move forward as you look at the whole wide picture? Well, remember, we went to, we were not too long ago, we were at 50-year low volatility in the ag market. So, uh, and if you look back at the most prosperous times for U.S. agriculture, it's always been during very volatile ag markets. The 70s was extremely volatile, but extremely prosperous for ag producers. We know the 2000s was extremely volatile, extremely prosperous for ag producers. Volatility is the key to providing opportunities for the farmer to get a, get a chance at selling a good price. Or, on the downside part of the volatility, for the livestock producer. Ground folks, more is coming up. It's a Fontenelle Final Bell. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As Sean Hackett continues to join us at Hackett Financial Advisors. Let's look at, before we jump to the livestock side, I had seen on Twitter earlier today about Argentina's economic minister talking about a proposed increase when it came to corn and wheat export taxes. So as a producer reads that, what does that mean to them? Well, the producer is going to do what's best for him. And if growing more wheat and growing more corn is not economically good for him, he'll plant more of what is more economically uh, good for him, which is the soybean market. In fact, we've seen significant shifts away from corn acres uh, this growing season to soybeans for that exact reason, because the new government said they would do this. And so once they got in and everyone realized, okay, well, that's what's going to happen. I'm going to be better treated uh, growing soybeans and taking my soybeans and storing it in my on-farm storage and playing the inflation game like they've been doing for decades down there. 
successfully, I might add. And so, so all of this, what it does is obviously reduces the supply of, of wheat and corn, but it also keeps a lot of soybeans off the market because of the need and the willingness and the desire to keep those soybeans in storage instead of crushing them into bean oil and bean meal, which is what their main export is. Well, you and I were talking how this would make a definite good thesis paper for some graduate student. It really would. I mean, I mean, talk about how do you manage a completely dysfunctional government, a completely upside-down monetary policy, a collapsing currency, to some extent hyperinflation. How, you, how does a ag producer survive those, what we would consider unbearable conditions? And they've been doing it for decades using this on-farm storage carry trade Brilliantly, yes. It, it would be a phenomenal uh, doctorate paper someone should be writing. And maybe, maybe we should do it, Susie. Maybe me and you should do it. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I'll start working on it this afternoon. Let's <laughs> let's look at the dairy aspect of things. We know that USMCA could see, and I use the word could loosely, see a vote before week's end. Looking at that and the open markets and the discussions that we've had with what's been going on in Canada, what does this mean to our dairy producers? Well, you know, the dairy, as you know, you know, we, we've talked about dairy quite a bit, you know, and dairy's had a huge run-up um, from the beginning of the year into uh, the fourth quarter here, and um, and, and we do believe that uh, the Mexicans and the Canadians have always felt that a deal would eventually, <laughs> and I mean eventually, get done. Um, and so trading between Canada and Mexico kind of normalized many, many months ago. So I don't really think that for the dairy side of the equation, we're going to see significant changes or dramatic changes in, in trade flows beyond what, what we see. I mean, it's more of a longer-term issue that's going to be positive, but I don't, th- I don't see the shorter-term issue. Short-term issue is, um, you know, we, we, we got ourselves, we went too high, too hard, too fast on the milk market, and now we're kind of crashing and burning back down as we had you know, kind of warned in our dairy report from several weeks ago when we put out an all-out sell. Uh, on the dairy, uh, for the dairy market to, uh, to get out because of seasonals, overvaluation, and some very negative smart money capital flows for a market that is, you know, at the beginning of the year was devastatingly low and, and, and actually got to $20 class three, which is a phenomenal price. So, so we're kind of, we kind of don't think that the USMCA is going to do anything for the dairy price or be anything good for the dairy price in the near term. We think of what's more of a longer term issue, Susan. Looking at cash cattle, I know it's been quiet. It's only Tuesday, but it's the last full trading week of 2019. Is this quietness going to continue as we head towards 2020? I think think so. I mean, markets normally quiet down in this period of time unless you have something really going on that that, that, that is a a cause to make the market move. I I think we're just going to, you know, end quietly. And usually when markets get quiet, they kind of drift down a little. And so... You know, we, we talked about the April contract on live cattle, that 128, 130 being very strong resistance and that we would not likely be able to overcome that, um, in this calendar year. And, and we haven't been able to. And in fact, every time we try to poke our head up into the area, we seem to kind of, you know, fall back down. So I believe this, consol- this consolidation we're in will continue, you know, into the end of the year before we might get some better action again, you know? Any thoughts on the way the hogs have been trading? Because they've been on the struggle bus. Yeah, the hogs are a little different. Um, I, I, the hogs, have, the, the, the cattle is suffering from just kind of being a little bit too high for right now. Uh, the hogs have just been suffering from 
just slaughtering just too many animals, even for large demand that we're getting from China and others. I mean, you look at you know today's the you know the last couple of weeks slaughter all time record high slaughtering of you know ever recorded in the history of the U.S. hog industry. I mean, I mean we're absorbing it, but you know it's hard to get get a rally going when you have that much coming to the market. That's the bad news. All right, sounds good, Sean. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Our website at Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. Our front homepage has all kinds of interviews and podcasts that they can look at and read. All right. Thanks a lot. Sean Hackett joining us today. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss and are not suitable for all investors. That is the Tuesday Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers. You can pick this up as a podcast at our website, ruralradio.com, or subscribe wherever you subscribe to your favorite podcast. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.